Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you're with us today for this episode that I've entitled, Telling Time for Beginners, Shadows on the Wall. It's for Sunday, November 13th, 2022. So welcome to This Week in the Word. Let's get right to it. Jesus Christ said in Matthew 24, verses 15 to 25, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. Pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then, if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, They shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. That's the Lord Jesus Christ's words from Matthew 24, verses 15 to 25. We live in days of deception. And as the Lord Jesus Christ explained here, it's only going to get just worse and worse as the world goes into the tribulation And then at the half point of the tribulation, the last three and a half years, the great tribulation, that certainly will be described as a day of deception. But even approaching those days on this side of it, we know that the world is filled with deception. Plato, the great philosopher, gave an analogy, a metaphor, a story, like a a picture of the way the world actually operates. And he did it this way. He described a cave where, let's say there were people who were captives who were chained to the cave wall, and all they could see was shadows on the wall. The shadows would change shapes, and that's all they were allowed to see. But if they could get loose and look around the corner, they might see a fire and might see someone deliberately casting shadows on that wall. And then they would begin to realize, hmm, I'm being shown what someone wants me to see. And then, of course, if that captive could get out of the cave, he would live in open sunlight. And so the question is, What we see or think we see, is it real? Is it the truth? Or is it something that someone projects to us as the truth? That they want us to 
see or think we see or think we understand. I'm sure this is not too deep for anyone listening. You you get the idea. Now, I'm going to talk today briefly about what many have described as conspiracy theories. And by the way, that's a very handy hammer to use to pound the daylights out of somebody who asks questions about the shadows on the wall that they're seeing. Well, we'll teach you not to ask any questions. That's a conspiracy theory. And that's supposed to end all conversation and discussion. Well, let's be fair. Some things that people think and advocate probably are conspiracy theories. I've heard some strange ones that I don't believe. And you probably have too, but I've heard other things that I thought, that sounds exactly right. And so we have to ask, are we looking at and hearing about conspiracy theories or conspiracy realities? I mean, there are people who get together and conspire to deceive people, to deceive governments, for example. These, that doesn't make their assertion, that doesn't make the assertion that that is happening a conspiracy theory. I mean, if you're questioning some things, you become very inconvenient to people who want you to believe those things. So don't automatically stop researching if someone says that you're talking about a conspiracy theory. Well, it may turn out with proper investigation to be proven to be a conspiracy reality, that there are conspiracies in the world all around us from government, media, and so on. Well, you know, I was slow to arrive at some of the things that I'm going to mention today, and I'm not even going to go in great detail about them, but I'm going to mention them. And I'm going to challenge you, if you're late to the party like I used to be, and you your knee-jerk reaction because you've been trained that way is this a conspiracy theory? I'm going to challenge you to do something. I want you to challenge to do your own challenge you to do your own research. Now I'm not world class at anything, and I'm betting you're not either. But in my case, I'm an excellent researcher. So. The things that I'm going to mention here, uh, when I mention them, the knee-jerk reaction most likely will be, well, that's a conspiracy theory. Is it? Or Or have we stumbled on obvious conspiracy realities right in front of our own eyes? Well, that's my challenge for you today. I can't make you agree with me. That would be hollow anyway. But I'm saying that these are things with my questioning mind that I've realized there's something here. Now, by the way, I may not even fully understand the truth, but but you're way ahead of the game if you realize you're being lied to in some regards. 
you're way ahead of the game if you realize that, hmm, just like Plato was saying, those shadows on the wall, they are being projected for me to see. Now, who's doing that around the corner at the campfire, and why are they doing that? What is going on here? And I'm going to tell you, friends, if you're listening today and you have not already started asking, what is going on here? Then you need to wake up. Now, we might not all reach the same conclusions, but there's something going on right in front of our own eyes. And we need to be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves, as the Lord Jesus Christ said. Again, I was slow to arrive at some of these. I was late to the party like perhaps you are, but I'm going to name 15 things and may make a comment or two about them. And I want to challenge you to do your own research and see what you think after you've researched these for weeks or months or even years. Number one, it turns out that the global elites, you know, that idea that there's a a select few which really run the world, it turns out that the global elites are a thing. (laughs) I used to put that right up there with the Bond villains or something like, yeah, that's not real. Um, Even if you don't like it, that's real. And I'm, I'm convinced, I'm satisfied that that's a thing. Now, is that good or bad? I don't know. You better search it out. But I think it's not going to end well for the world. That's what I think. Number two, it turns out that governments of the world are actually cooperating to form a one world government. Oh, Pastor Ed, that's a conspiracy theory that you right-wing Christian types. Um, Listen, you don't have to believe me, but I do invite you to do some research on your own and not accept when others tell you that it's a conspiracy theory. I mean, somebody would have to be a pretty dumb puppy not to research this and realize, huh, you know, whether it's for good or bad, the governments of the world are cooperating to form one world government. In other words, making any influence that you might have on the government for your own good farther and farther away, more and more remote, and as basically is comply or die, because they don't care. Number three, it turns out that there is a depopulation agenda. You remember the good old Georgia Guidestones? I'm from Georgia originally. And the Georgia Guidestones had, uh, I'm not even going to go into that. You need to research that. But recently they blew up and allegedly nobody knows how. I'm sure somebody knows how, but the general public doesn't know how. But it turns out that on the Georgia Guidestones, I mean, this is a this is a fact for sure, easily documented, that one of the things mentioned on the Georgia Guidestones is the idea that the world needs to be sustained permanently at a population of 500 million people. So let's do some math, boys and girls, 
and I'm terrible at it, but I'll be right even on this one. <laughs> if the world has about 8 billion people now, and that's roughly the estimate, I think, and you, you belong to a group that thinks 500 million is all the earth can sustain, then 7.5 billion people got to go. Think about what I just said. There is a depopulation agenda operating right now in the world. I have an opinion about some of the ways that is starting to be carried out. We'll brush very lightly on some of those right here. But until you, until you research it for yourself and, and say, I'm seeing what I'm seeing, what does this mean? Until you do that, you probably won't believe it. But once you see it, it's one of those things you can't unsee anymore. Number four, it turns out that science, I'm talking about real science, that science has been hijacked for propaganda. Follow the science, and yet the science is not followed on other subjects of similar importance. It turns out that science has been hijacked for propaganda. Now, that's not new in the world. The Nazis did it. This is an old thing, but it's new again. It turns out that there is actually a war on food. Oh, no, now, Pastor Ed, you have gone way over the line on this one. Have I? Have you researched it? Do you know what I'm talking about? Because I do. You see, if you see an incredible chain of coincidental events where food processing plants, food warehouses, food production facilities, food storage facilities are being blown up and burnt down in an incredible coincidental rate, which if the point is things don't happen that way in the real world, there's something happening there on purpose. Think about it. It turns out, I'm, I'm satisfied with what I've found, that there is a war on food. Wow. Number six, it turns out that a one-world financial system, as predicted in Revelation 13, is being developed rapidly and eventually soon, I don't know when, but soon it's going to replace the use of currency and coinage in the world. Well, so what, Pastor Ed? Why is that so bad? Or two reasons, two or three reasons. One is that with a one-world financial system replacing cash, when you no longer have cash, like you get a check, you go to the bank, you cash it, you have money in your own account that you control, and maybe you literally have cash. I always carry cash. Hey, a crisp $100 bill can get you out of a lot of situations that could save your life. Let's say you... Uh, 
you your car breaks down somewhere and you need to get someone to help you, that $100 bill could come in really handy, you know, so that you could get out of a dangerous situation. You could figure that out. So what what's the problem with a one-world financial system that soon re- will replace cash? Cash represents freedom of choice. You have and control your money. You decide what it's spent on. If you're going to spend it, when you're going to spend it, where you're going to spend it, what you're going to spend it on. But once cash disappears and the financial system of the world is simply uh, a, a digital online type system, if you're not going along with the governmental program, you can be deleted. Your account can be suspended. Think about the control that that will give uh, ultimately governments or a government that controls the world. Number seven, it turns out that tagging and tracking people is the purpose of central bank digital currency. That's the, think of, as I mentioned in the last episode, think of something like Bitcoin, only it's something the government generates and you don't really have a choice. You're forced into it because cash in terms of currency and coinage are no longer relevant. It turns out that that tagging and tracking of people is much easier with a central bank digital currency and that is also the end of freedom. And is, let's face it, if the governments of the world can literally control whether or not you can buy food, that's the ultimate control in my mind. Turns out, number eight, that 5G Although in and of itself, it may or may not be a bad thing. And I know there are people that say it has detrimental effects. I I don't, I really haven't researched that a lot. I think there's something there, but I don't know enough about that. So I'll, I'll encourage you to research that. But it turns out that the 5G network that is being installed everywhere, even in your neighborhood, is a part of a high-tech enslavement system. Now, I don't even have time to explain that one. You can go back to the last episode and learn a little bit about that there. But still, I I challenge you, don't just accept what I'm saying. It's like, oh yeah, that's real. I want you to begin to do some research on that. Listen to more than one side and you find out for yourself what the truth is. But I'm confident that even though, let's just say 5G in and of itself is entirely harmless. Okay, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but let's just say it is. In and of itself, yes, it makes using the internet and commerce and all of that much easier and faster and all these kind of things. Okay, we all agree on that. But it also has other capabilities in terms of surveillance and tracking that, let's just be honest, we live in a world where everybody's not a saint, okay? If the wrong people can tap into that, 
this creates a high-tech system of enslavement that would not be easily escaped. Because there will be a 6G, which won't be like one better than 5G. It'll be like 600 quadrillion times better than 5G. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist, as they say, to figure out that like, man, this kind of capability in the wrong hands could be a big problem. And you'd be right on that. And there's plenty of wrong hands in this world. Number nine, and a lot of them are in government. <laughs> Number nine, turns out that there is a war on traditional families. The idea of a, a man and a wife marrying and having children and both of them raising those children to functional and successful adulthood, that's a bad thing. I mean, you, you need to realize that that's such a, I don't know, a racist, uh, what's a patriarchal type, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's worked for 5,000 years, so shut up. Anyway, there is actually a war, a philosophical and apparently even a governmental war on traditional families. Don't believe me? Research it for yourself. Find out where the money's going and what is being backed and promoted and what's being warred against. And the truth will smack you right upside the forehead. Number 10, it turns out that the United States military is being neutered. I heard this from a retired general, a combat arms general, even involved with Delta Force. And he explained what is being taught in our United States military academies. And uh, I'm not saying everything they teach is, is uh, wrong, but, but there's a clear thread of teaching that is, that is prominent in the United States military academies, that is, your, the officers of the future, get it? About America, about the whole woke culture, about all of that crazy stuff. Um, and who the enemies are, the enemies increasingly in the minds of young military officers from what they're taught, the enemies of the United States are people who used to be considered patriotic Americans, you know, people who stormed the beaches on D-Day and, and won the wars that kept our country free and all of this. Those people now who think like that, they're the enemy. And the only hope for the world is a, a unified, uh, one government type world. That's kind of the trend that's there. So the United States military is being rendered, I'm not saying it's completely powerless, and I haven't been in the military, but I've been around military personnel my whole life. I've lived on military bases. I love history. I love military history. I know a little bit about what I'm talking about, and I'm telling you the current administration and not even just that, but people in academia and all of that are, are destroying our military. 
Now, the day is going to come when America needs a real military. And there'll still be trigger pullers in it. Don't get me wrong. People who love our country fiercely. But they're being pressured out and ferreted out at the leadership level. I don't think this bodes well for the United States. Because China, they're not on that game plan. Russia's not on that game plan. Russia's producing warriors, and so is China. I hope that registers with you what I just said. Number 11, it turns out that the United States election system is controlled by America haters. Now, you don't have to agree with me on this if you don't want to. I get it. But I'm going to give you an example that just happened in a state that I am very familiar with. Explain to me how in the world it's possible for the Georgia governor, a Republican, to easily win re-election by a whopping amount, and yet the senatorial race, which is vital to the leftists, has to go to a, um, a runoff in December. And the, one of the people in the runoff is a cult hero in Georgia, Herschel Walker. I think even people who hate the Georgia Bulldogs love Herschel Walker in Georgia and have for like 40 years. There's no way that his opponent, Raphael Warnock, is as popular as Herschel Walker. That's dreamland. That's just not reality. So explain to me how they end up in a runoff. That makes no sense. And you can see similar things around the United States. The United States is in deep trouble financially and in many other ways. There's no way that the prevailing administration had so many of their candidates return to office that just defies logic. So I've come to the sad realization that America's election system is, at the very least, is heavily influenced by America haters. And in some towns like Chicago and other big cities like that, I mean, it's an open joke that certain parties, a certain party, controls those areas. That's, that's not a secret. But that's being spread all over the United States. Number 12, it turns out that the idea of creating a crisis in order to manage the solution, apparently, when you look at what's going on, that's real. Number 13, it turns out that the enemies of freedom love the idea of design to fail. In other words, when a problem comes up, like I mentioned, the uh, create a crisis to manage a solution. When that solution fails, it's almost like, I think it actually is, that they intend that it fails so that people say, oh no, what are we going to do now? And then they've got a new solution which fails, but it drives their target into deeper and deeper into that ambush, which is a great ambush, by the way. If you're going to ambush somebody, don't do it right when they walk into it. Let them walk deep into it and then close off the exit behind them and boom, 
launched the ambush. Perfect plan. Now, here's another one. Number 14, it turns out that the leadership of the world, now this is one that took me a long, long time to come to, and I don't even know a lot about it, but I know enough to say where there's smoke, there's fire. All right? That's, that's a good pun on this one. It turns out that the leadership of the world apparently are Luciferians. <laughs> I used to laugh about that, but the more I've researched it, the more I realize, like, you know what? It sure looks like what that is. And it's the idea that, whereas in the Judeo-Christian viewpoint, we know that the Lord is good, and Satan is evil. Lucifer is evil, right? We know that within the biblical context because that's the truth. Well, among people who don't hold to that, the truth of the Judeo-Christian context, many of them, this was a, a novel thought to me that I started to realize within the past year or so, in a couple of years, let's say, that there are people in places of influence and, and thought and government and that kind of stuff who, who don't look at the world that way. They think that Lucifer is like he is the ultimate bad boy who's getting a bad rap. He's really not that bad, and he's really trying to help mankind. It's God who's the problem. That's the thinking of a Luciferian. And a Luciferian is doing everything he or she can to make sure that Lucifer, Satan, ultimately rules the world. Because after all, he only has our ultimate well-being at heart, and they believe this. That's what I'm stressing here. They believe that way of looking at Lucifer and God, you know, good and evil. They say, well, Lucifer's a good one. So yeah, I'm on Lucifer's side. And all of their conscious decisions uh, are influenced by this worldview, which is an upside-down, incorrect view, by the way, but that explains a lot. It explains an awful lot of what we see. Now, like I said, that's one that I've only been dragged to in the last couple of years, but the more, and I'm not even going into the Illuminati and all of that. There's, there's stuff there, but there's, you can't handle it right now. But if you will research it on your own, you're going to come away going like, huh, wow. Remember the shadows on the wall? You're only seeing what you're allowed to see. Well, you need to start looking around the corner of that cave to where the firelight is and who's throwing those shadows on the wall. Here's the last one. This is a shocker to many. It's not to me, but it might be to you. It turns out that Jesus Christ is returning and he's lost mankind's only hope. That's a fact. <laughs> wow. You know what that means? That you need to become a believer in Jesus Christ today. You remember we talked about when people are throwing shadows on the wall, they, they want you to see what they, what they want you to see and that it's often not the truth because you're not seeing them and you're not seeing what they're really doing? Well, Jesus Christ said about himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So my advice to you today, if you're listening to this episode, which I thank you for, my advice is if you are not actually, truly, really a follower of Jesus Christ, that you turn from your sin, that is you repent of your sin, and you turn to him as your Savior and Lord. And he will, he will give you the new birth. You will become a new creation in Christ from the inside out. You'll begin to live for him, enjoy fellowship with him. And one day, either at your own personal death or his return to the earth, you will be taken to live with him forever in heaven. That's what you should do today. You should become a believer in Jesus Christ today. Now, for many of you who are listening, you are already a believer in Christ. I want to encourage you, if you're getting discouraged, you're getting confused, go back to the Word, stick with Jesus, stick with the truth, and and power on, baby, because He's coming back, and sooner or later, you will be with Him, and that'll be a great thing. And you need to take others with you as you believe in Christ. Spread the word about the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening today to Shadows on the Wall. I hope it's raised some questions that you want to research on your own and go where the truth actually leads you. I look forward to speaking with you again next week on This Week in the Word at www.dredhill.podbean.com. I invite you to follow the podcast, like the episode you just heard, and share it with someone right from where you're listening right now. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great week. Bye-bye.